people do wild things season three and this is the first ever episode of a gone visual i'm so excited today i'm here with my guest introduce yourself sir hey now i'm darius jones glad to be here ceo owner and designer of x-way lifestyle we're here on base at fort belvoir and one of my, my stores right now so thanks for having me Okay. I'm, I'm glad to be here, seriously. So, before yep. we get into our interview and conversation, because we have a lot to talk about. We're actually on a military base. Like, Yes. We're doing a, something different here. Yes. Yeah, Black-owned business on a military mm-hmm. base. And look at the store. The store is just gorgeous. Like, Thank you. Thank you so much. We got a lot to talk about, but before yep. we talk about all of that, sure. we got to go back. We got to go way back. Mm-hmm. Way back, way back. Okay, okay. Let's do that. So, let's do the bio. Yeah. All right. Darius Jones, the creator and designer of the brand, grew up in Washington, D.C. metropolitan area and graduated with a business degree and minor in IT design. Following college, Jones worked at a successful IT career at FBI, DOD, FDA, and Fannie Mae government agencies for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Extraordinary Apparel, a.k.a. XOA, sure. is a multifunctional unisex global lifestyle brand that was initially formed in 2016 by Jones, who is a free progressive thinker. The fusion of IT and fashion produced a creative, timeless, high-quality fashion streetwear clothing line, founded with a thought to appease the ever-changing millennial generation, multifaceted audience at Extraordinary. At Extraordinary. At Extraordinary, we place an immense level of effort to appease the apparel needs of individuals who are passionate about their craft and refuses to take a day off from chasing their dreams and desire. Here at XOA, we are passionate in regards to establishing collective collaborations through mutually benefiting relationships by engaging in community service outreach, mentorship, and reinvesting back into our very own communities. By cultivating our youth today, Extraordinary mm-hmm. believes that a creative tomorrow is on the horizon. And now I introduce sure. to you guys, Mr. Darius Jones, XOA owner and founder. Yeah. Well, hey, now, appreciate you having me once again, man. I'm so excited, man. All yep. right. Let's get it. First episode, too. This, this, is, a, this is a pleasure. This is a Thank pleasure. You. So Thank let's you get to it. Thank you for having us at your home. It's sure. gorgeous. Um, so let's define lifestyle. You say XOA is a lifestyle brand. Right. What is a lifestyle brand? Right, right, right. So... Uh, I think the one of the biggest things about black business is we try to cater too much to our own okay. instead of having like a universal feel. So the whole point of X-Way Lifestyle is it's multifaceted for a reason. So I want this brand to be universal, worldwide, and not just a PG brand because there's been so many clothing brands that come out of the DMV that don't aspire a little higher in my in my regards when it comes to just access. So, you know, I want it to be open to all races, all demographics, and... Just to get just a chance for us to expand and really expound on this fashion market that we have in DMV because we really all wanted some of the best dressed people in the world and it doesn't matter that doesn't have nothing to do with the dollar amount 
but how we coordinate our clothes and just how we set our own fashion trends. Of course, I can't agree with you because Kanye West said in an interview about how his father lived in Tacoma Park. Shout out to Moco. You know, Moco representative. Hey, what's up? Yeah. But with Show that thing, he got his fashion sense from the DMV. He sure. really didn't get his fashion sense from Chicago. So the DMV going around his father around the DMV. And mm-hmm. if you remember... Back, I would say maybe, when was he with Amber Rose? 2014, 2012. Sure. A lot of people would always come to us and be like, DMV always trying to dress like Kanye West. You know, they always trying to dress like Kanye West. But I think it's funny how Kanye West admitted that he got a lot of his fashion sense. So it just shows us how global we are, how progressive we are. And I will always say this. Some of the baddest chicks in the world is from the DMV. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Very much so. Yeah. You've been around the world. You've probably seen every flavor, every color, and you can say. We got a little bit of everything here. Yeah. You can't go wrong with a DMV, for sure. Okay, so going back to lifestyle brand, you say you want every race, every hue, every sex, every color, sure. everything. Right. And you're doing that because we're on a military base. Right, 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 right. I don't know if we're allowed to say the military base, are we? Absolutely. Say it, please. Yeah. We on Fort Belvoir military base. Right. Uh, so... One of the uh, big, biggest blessings, I guess, with kind of developing this brand mm-hmm. is just the love that I received from the military. Okay. Um, so, you know, having my stores in Pentagon City Mall, which is surrounded by government buildings and the prestigious Pentagon, mm-hmm. uh, we we just got that type of traffic coming through on a daily. And they always showed so, so much love when they came to the store. They really respected the brand and mm-hmm. what, just what we were doing. And just the functionality of the brand kind of spoke to the personality of a military guy and woman. So um, it was very relatable and... What better thing to do is just to bring it to their front door, you know, and just have it extremely accessible to, to their families and their children and just the whole surrounding area. So, And that's really cool yeah. because in your bio, you say you're a free thinker and this is really free thinking. How long did you marinate on that idea before coming into fruition? Uh, so it honestly didn't take me too long. Just because I just saw that there was just a, a great opening within just the Fort Belvoir uh, military base. You know, uh, they was making some changes and they were actually looking for a fashion uh, store and like, a shoe store as well. Just And just kind of having uh, best of both worlds just made it much easier for them just to pick me and just say, hey, we love your concept. They saw my concept at Pentagon City. So it they, it just made sense for them as well. So it was it was a it was a great transition and, and um but it just really just took took a lot of persistence, you know. So I you know I developed a whole plan um that I presented to them. So it was a whole presentation just to show what type of impact that I could make here. That's a good point. You had to develop a plan. A lot of times people think of a dream, but nobody talks about the space between the dream and making it into physically a reality. Correct. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, I had to grind. I had to do that. And mm-hmm. that sounds cool and it's generic, but what does the grind entail? Like, right. what's that? Well, uh, planning. So, you know, uh, starts with a budget for one. So, you know, obviously, it, you know, you, you got to have to build some type of funding to be able to, you know, produce even just the build out of a space like this. So, you know, this was just bare bones when I first got it. Mm-hmm. So just floor and walls. So to be able to, you know, interior design this thing and actually, you know, set aside a budget to pretty much create the vision of what people would really be attracted to. And just, you know, just an easy, digestible clothing store. You know, I didn't want it to be last stoppage, you know, with just clothes on top of clothes. You know, um, I wanted to be very well organized and just 
more boutique-ish, you know? And so. definitely fitting that it's aesthetic. It looks gorgeous as soon as you walk in. It's eye-catching, yeah. you guys. Hey, mucho gracias. De nada. Yeah. With that saying, you also talked about funding and business and scaling and those things. Sure. A lot of times, um, I feel like in our culture, we always talk about, oh, I'm a black-owned business, I'm a business, but sure. we never talk about funding. Let's right. get into a conversation about funding and okay. how did you fund this? How did, how, take that back, because we got to go all the way back to your the be humble beginnings. Sure. But how much would you say it takes to fund a business, a starter business, to get to this level? How, what, what, give a scale of numbers. Uh, so... I mean, the build-off of any every type of business is different. Uh, so what I do here, like I said, is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. So I try to cover all areas within youth, women, men, plus sizes, and the shoe game as well. So my concept is a little bit more expensive than most. Okay. So this probably wouldn't be the greatest example. So you know, but for my business, it took about thirty thousand dollars just to even enter the space. You know, and that doesn't include the inventory. Of the manpower and things like that. So, you know, um, but before you even get to this space, you got to build your brand up to even make sure that it's profitable to get a space. Because if you're not profitable online, you're not profitable doing, you know, festivals and music festivals and, you know, different type of events, then you're not ready yet. And I think sometimes that we we, we uh, shoot ourselves in the foot by pushing fast forward just because we want the success. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need to just slowly build so that we can build in-house. So, uh, I think that in general, to start any legit business and to, you know, to respect or to expect, you know, that that business to have a turnover, you need to start with at least five thousand dollars. I think that's a great starting point just because, for one, you can't do it by yourself. Right. So you're going to need somewhat of a team, you know, to help build out the vision. So, you know, whether it's a media team to help you with the marketing aspect, uh, whether it's models to, you know, show it off, you know, so. Or an accountant, you know, to make sure that your taxes are correct so that you stay good with the government. Because if you're not good with the government, then they can take it all away. So it's just, it's just multiple levels to making sure your business is legit, profitable. So I think, but we got to start with the money first. So whether you got to pick up a second job, you know, um, start doing Uber, things like that is going to help your vision at the end of the day. So to think that you can start a business from, from nothing and think that people are going to see it and respect it and feel it. I think it's a very huge misconception when it comes to business. Okay. So what would be your advice? Because a lot of people, times like they always say, I start with nothing um, to create a business in it. What would be the five star keys I would ask that person needs? Okay. Five. Okay. Five. So, like I said, money is a huge thing. Right. It's, money's not everything, but money is the starter. So. So, so like I said, so sometimes you may not need to start it in 2023. Maybe you need to start it in 2024. So you need to build your budget up and take your time with that. You know, don't rush the process. So first of all, create a budget and build towards the budget. Uh, Number two uh, is doing the proper research. So pretty much I don't think we do enough research with really respecting the people that actually made it in our field and was successful and knowing their story. So, you know, when I started, I went back and looked at the start of streetwear and who were the pioneers of streetwear to be able to understand the type of marketing strategies they used, the type of financial means they needed, and just their overall strategy to be able to be seen on, you know, music videos, TV, commercials, things like that. 
Okay. Yeah. And what's three? So we got three more. So I would say the third is also, you know, building a mini team. So like I said, it takes a little bit of money to start. So you got to have something set to the side to actually have the experts that know what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're creating a fashion brand, mm-hmm. you can't hold the camera and model for it and creative direct all at the same time, right? So it's building that team. So I would say that would be number three. Uh, number four, I would say is... You know, uh, having trust in God, honestly. Uh, I'm a very, uh, a God, I'm, I'm becoming even more of a godly man. I'm on my journey right now. But uh, trusting God and belief in God because nothing is done alone, you know. And, and without his blessing and his direction, you know, you, you can lose yourself in the mix. So, you know, because I think a lot of people, including myself, have getting lost with just chasing that dollar. And you, you lose sight of your vision, right? So, uh, number five, to, tap, to cap it all off. I would say you need to travel. So you you need to go to other cities and see other businesses do what they do, no matter what type of racial background they are. But using that research as an example and also just broadening your horizons, too, because people dress differently in different places. People do business differently in different places. So to kind of have that versatile, you know, feel for it kind of will just shape your own vision to what's the possibilities. Okay, those are five great tips right there, guys. But you mentioned about studying the grades. So who are some of your grades? So you have, you know, I'm thinking. I'll tell you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, for go sure, ahead. for sure. So for one, I think the most uh, successful streetwear designer is uh, Damon John. Uh, Damon John, uh, who collaborated with three of his friends that he grew up with um, in New York. And I think that's one of the big things that we don't do as well is we, we, take, we, we make too many individual businesses mm-hmm. instead of kind of collaborating with our friends and family or just people that have like minds in general. Because it does take, like I said, $5,000 is a lot of money. So I don't, I don't say that lightly. Like it's just something that you just pick up from the grass right. and just, you know, grow. So, you know, so it is great to have, you know, good people around you that understand the vision and are willing to play a certain part. You know, so uh, within Damon John, you know, he developed with his friends and, you know, also developed it with the likeness of LL Cool J, yeah. you know, who was the pioneer of the whole brand. And, you know, LL Cool J, you know, took risks to even put them on the big screen with having a Gap commercial yeah, and just, you know, just having... Fubu. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, he's definitely not my number one, you know, because he's, he's, he's transcended fashion into mm-hmm. now just being a, just a full-time entrepreneur. So... Uh, I think that he's just a great example to kind of see and, and live by in a sense. You're giving me Black Ralph Lauren. Is that the space you want to go into? I would say I do like the versatility of uh, Ralph Lauren because he has so many different collections and different labels where it's just not a rugby brand. It's just not a suit brand. It's not just a youth brand either. You know, he, he has an all-encompassing brand that kind of relates to all aspects of life. And hence the lifestyle behind my brand right. because I do respect what he what he, what he has done for the culture and for the fashion industry in general, and you know Polo has you know been like a, a, a stopping ground for all you know fat black fashion you know since the '80s. So and they're still relevant to this day. So um, and they're always evolving. So they never stick with one logo. They're always changing up, switching up their fashion, and um, and that's something that I did learn from Fubu too because. One of the big, one of the things that I think was their largest mistake was not reinventing themselves. So keeping that same Fubu signature logo, keeping that same 05 jersey, I think kind of ran their business um, down in a sense because at at a certain point, it's like how many jerseys can you get? 
how many signature signature tees can you get in a sense, you know? So with me, I try to really uh, innovate myself each and every season. So I always have a new logo. I always have a new design and it's never the same. And I always release one collection once and then I move on from it. So I keep all the styles exclusive. The DMV Daily is on a mission to connect all corners of the DMV, but they don't stop there. Their vision go beyond headlines. It's about strengthening and unifying every nook and cranny of the DMV through our unique approach to community outreach. The DMV Daily is just not a news and entertainment platform, but also advocates for positive change. We tackle the tough issues, crime, justification, juvenile delinquency, and the ever-evolving challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. So stay tuned, stay locked, and be a part of the movement that shapes our future of our beloved DMV. All right, so what is your diet? And when I diet, I I do not mean food. Sure. If you're saying that you're constantly having to push the needle for creativity, that means, okay, so how are you getting these visions? What do you read? What do you look at? What is your diet to get to? Right, great question, great question. So I would say the travel aspect and also... Uh, looking in the past, you know, business and fashion always comes back around, right? You know, it's a revolving circle. So, so really looking back in the seventies, the eighties, the fifties, the twenties, you know, seeing what they were wearing and seeing how fashion has evolved through the years, and a lot of things can be uh, redone and in in, in repurposed in a different way. So, you know, a lot of times you don't have to recreate the wheel. You can take the wheel that's already been made. And make it in your own way. So uh, I pretty much mix vintage styles with futuristic aspirations along with it. To just to have that, just that even mix of the new, the present, and the past all together. So it's giving Afrofuturism. If you're familiar with that Afrofuturism, we talk about heavy and cinnamon world. But okay, okay. yes, I, I see right. the vision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see it. Yeah. So let's roll back because we we just went straight into it. We just the started, present. Yeah, we yeah, talking we, about right now. Right, yeah, but right. let's roll it all yeah. the way back. Let's go back in time. Sure. So how like in the we talked about it started in 2016. Sure. Yeah. Talk about where you was at 2016. What made you be like I gotta put something on the market? It's time for some space for XOA. Right. So you know I I've always been in love with fashion. Okay. Um, I, I grew up in Oxon Hill. Uh, I, I was raised by two amazing parents with my siblings. And, you know, I have four other siblings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up in the 90s, we were, we were never broke at all, but we, we were, weren't wealthy either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going to Marshalls was a treat because, you know, you're getting high quality brands for, you know, a fraction of the price. So, and then back then they had layaway. So, you know, that was an opportunity for, you know, you to actually work towards what you wanted. And actually get it at the same time. So um, that really helped me uh, see the possibilities of what I could do. And I started actually creating my own designs for... So I'm a sports guy. So growing up, you know, um, we had our own uniforms. But me and my dad would create our own warm-ups. So for basketball, you know, I would create my own warm-up jacket, pants... And um, even for tracking, same thing. You know, I make my own glitter headbands and things like that. I actually sold some headbands. And then, you know, from the sports, I started actually creating my own denim jackets, going to, like, the custom shops, doing the glitter aspects. Um, and that, that was a big thing. So, you know, that, that kind of gave me my originality. And, you know, fast forward to when I was about 25, 26, I'm working for the government, and I'm actually designing for the government. You know, I, I, I'm a self-taught graphic designer. 
So, you know, actually, you know, creating logos and designs for the government, making presentations, it, it gave me the vision to, okay, I can actually take this and put this in a cloth in a clothing line, you know. So it was it was just learning the skill in a different uh, subset and just applying to what my passion was at the time. And and with the government, I, I saw that it was a great opportunity for me to even be in the government and to, to earn the type of money that I was earning. But also, it will be a great uh, starting place for me to actually have the funds to start a business and not from the grassroots. I can actually start it a full force business from the top. So as soon as I invested in X away, I invested at least 20,000 in X away. And, you know, I started doing everything within just acquiring inventory, uh, uh, acquiring team, you know, um, doing photo shoots, traveling, like I said, you know, so I just started doing all that within the six, the first six months, you know, and I started just, since I had so much inventory, I I could actually consign my product in other black and brown shops. Mm -hmm. So uh, from, from day one, you know, from I would say, in, within the first year, I had about twenty shops that were carrying X away items. Wow. Yeah. And twenty five. I'm twenty eight. Uh, we're not gonna ask your age because I don't know if you want to tell it to the. Public. I'm thirty three. This Jesus year. Praise okay. God. Okay. He's thirty three. Yeah. I know when my mindset at twenty five was yes, I was hungry, but to just go with thought. I mean, you know, execute. Right. A lot. Sure. Like, how did you? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Put the pedal to the metal. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm trying to Right, you. You, right, you right. Well, well, like knowing my history. So uh, I learned that my three times great grandfather was an entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, he owned several businesses and he was born into slavery, you know, and he was well respected in his community. He actually, when he passed away, he was actually highlighted in, in the Caucasian newspaper, you know, and that's how inf- influent he was to the community. And I learned that, you know, throughout my family, we actually kind of left the family business and started just getting individual jobs, which in turn lost the wealth that we had gained through, you know, all his endeavors. So what I wanted to do is pretty much do what he did and create this new vision of being entrepreneurs and actually, you know, being able to pass it to, you know, my nieces, my nephews, collaborate with my siblings, you know, and, you know, having other options than just being thrust in the world and just having to go find a job. You know, I wanted to be able to build a black economy within. Because nobody talks about there is a, even if you have a great relationship with your employer, sure. there is a very different type of relationship between being an employee, being an owner, sure. and being a partnership. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Because I think a lot of people don't understand that. They'd be like, well, me and my employee, me and my boss is friends. And they're like, no, not right now. But like, what's the difference between a partnership? You know, aren't we the same thing? No, you have. Creative control, but uh, it, it's definitely the mindset for sure. Because within the job, it's 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 everything set for you. All you have to do is show up and do what you're told, in a sense. But with having your own, you have to tell yourself what to do. You have to have your own self motivation. So you know, it, it's not about you know, um, you have to set your own times. Like so, if you're late, you're 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 actually ruining your own chances. So it's like a, a lot more pressure on yourself to be accountable. And also, whoever you do involve in your business, you have to be accountable for them as well because they trust in your vision. So if you fail, you're also failing other people along with you. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a captain and it's a leadership mindset that you, that you need to have in order to really respect people's time and also deliver a great product so that you're not late. Like, say, if I'm a photographer, 
deliverables are deliverables. I can't be late just because of whatever that 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 client is re- is expecting me to respect their time and respect their money. So I have to deliver when it, when it's necessary. So if I got to lose some sleep for that day, I have to lose some sleep for that day. You know, you can always make up for it. You always can provide cushion for yourself. But at the same time, you you got to be accountable. And I think that's the biggest thing that with a job, it's 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 a lightweight accountability that that goes with that, and um, it's a lot more transparent when you have your own. So, leader, because everybody screams out, "I'm a boss! I'm a boss! I'm a boss!" But you just show right there, a boss is not this cute little word that we tote around. It's making the hard decisions. The first one checking in is the last one checking out. Sure, sure. And and for one, I hate the word boss. I'm nobody's boss. I never will be nobody's boss. I don't believe in that word at all. Okay. I think um, it's almost a slave mindset, honestly. Ooh. Yeah, because leadership don't make you a boss. Bossing people around don't make you a leader. Speak on it. So Speak we need to leave it. that boss thing around. Miss Ball, I, I want a boss. All this is, I, th- I think, it's, a, it's a, a unnecessary rhetoric. And I think it's just a soundbite that people just continue to use but don't really know the meaning of it because I will never call nobody my boss, period, Mm -hmm. because you don't boss me around. I am my own person. I have my own mind. So, yeah, I will respect you. I will follow directions if need be. But, yeah, I follow leadership. So if you're a great leader, then sure, I have no problem following you and seeing where it takes me. But when it comes to a boss, I don't believe in that. That concept, I guess. No, I understand because yeah. it's like a power energy dictatorship when you give Precisely, that. precisely. And, and when you have a business, you want to work with people. You want to collaborate with people. So even when I have my staff, this is not my employees. You know, this is the business employees, but they're not mine. They just, they, 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 they love the vision of XOA. They love where it's going and they want to be a part of that. So I want to respect them and their leadership and their, and their mindset because they can be teaching me a lot at the same time. So if you're a boss, then how can you listen to somebody that's under you? And being a great leader, you have to know when you need to be a leader, sure. when you need to be a soldier, and when you need to be quiet and silent all together. Exactly. Sometimes you just need to shut up. And a lot of times you, you have to uh, look for the vision of others. And, and I've made that. I've made those mistakes in my past by by not having the open space to uh, have those conversations, you know, and people think that I got it all figured out when I don't. And I, I don't allow that grace, you know, and, and let people know that, hey, you you are open to say and do as you feel that will help this business out. And um, that's what I continue to work on day to day. And that goes into what Beyonce was saying. Beyonce talked about in her recent mm-hmm. his Renaissance film about the problem with success or people getting successes, they're not willing to admit their mistakes. They're yes. not willing to try and have mistakes and fail. And sure. you just publicly admitted that you do that all the time, and that's how it grows you. She, I grow with my right. failures more than my wins. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, it sucks when you do make those type of mistakes because, like I said, people are dependent on you, you know, so it's always good to get better, you know, to create those open spaces to apologize when you're wrong, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I have become even more selfless as I've grown, okay. and I continue to work on that day to day, you know, because it, it's, it's a lot of times your pride is in the way, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of times, you know, you can compare wrongs and say, well, they wronged me, so, you know, they can't say nothing about me because, you know, I feel wronged. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you got to look at the root of the problem a lot of times, and, and if, you're, if you're the root of the problem, then you cannot uh, chastise anyone for, you know, taking it how they want to take it, you know? So take accountability always. Okay, so you said a couple, like, you keep dropping things and then we jump, like, hey, forward hey, and hey, then we, we go back and, like, okay, yeah. 
let's go back to the fact that mm -hmm. you know your history. Not that many black American black folks know your history. And can you yeah. talk about the you touched a little bit on it, but I want to go deeper into the fact, the confidence of knowing who I am, who I stand on the backs of, because mm -hmm. a lot of people, because of Atlantic Slave Trade, you know, the big, um, I can't even get the word out, but the big passage, the mill passage, right. you know, we lost a lot of our history and sure. not that many blacks can even go back five generations or even go back four generations or even three or two, yeah. you know? So right. the fact that you can go back, what confidence does that, I say, conceive in you? Yeah, uh, so definitely knowing your origin is huge for me. And I thank my father for that because he actually put in the groundwork and the physical work to actually figure out our history. So, you know, he actually went back, my, my, my people from Mississippi. Okay. And uh, so he went back to the libraries you know, in the Mississippi to really go back to these newspapers, to go back to these, you know, these articles, you know, and go back to, you know, the, just the stats that they used to, to keep on black people to figure out where our family originated from, you know? And I think that we all can do that. It just takes the work and the effort to do it, you know, because a lot of things has been documented over the last 200 years. So it just takes the footwork and the effort to do so. So, but within knowing my history, it just gave me the confidence that we've actually been here before. You know, especially if, you know, a black man in the 1860s and 70s could develop his own black business without a bank, you know, without investors, you know, um, it made it all possible to me. So, you know, when I when I started my business, I didn't think of, well, I got to get an investor or I'm not going to make it or I got to depend on my family or I'm not going to make it. It's like, no, you can you can bootstrap certain things. You know, it's not all on you, but at the same time, it's, it's about the planning phase. So, you know, as long as. You, you make time and energy to plan things out and not to rush the business concept in order to get that next dollar, then, you know, things can work out. But I think we do rush. And, I, and, and, I, and I'm a victim of that as too. I, I, I still rush to this day. And I got to uh, I gotta make time for margin, you know, because if you don't have margin in your life, then your whole structure can be off. So, you know, everything can crumble down if you build it all the way up to a certain point. And then if your structure ain't right, if the foundation ain't sturdy, then it all can crumble, and all the work that you didn't put in for years can just crumble apart. And uh, I'm actually going through that right now, realistically. Hey, but it's real life time. You're being real with the people. Yeah. You're in a rebuilding phase, and that's sure. wonderful. I think that it goes back to reinventing yourself. We talked about how brands in the earlier, we talked about how brands have to constantly reinvent themselves before yeah. they have a shelf time. Sure. You basically, and let's go back to that. You basically mentioned that, mm -hmm. you know, Brands might have a shelf time, right? Uh, or why? But why do you think black brands, like no offense, Baby Fat, Fat Farm, right? Um, Sean John, Rockefeller, sure. right? Cool. You can go through the list of the list, right, right, right. And at one time they were the hottest things, and they were changing the culture, yeah, right? But then it was like it became uh, an era, like it became like Baby Fat nineties, Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it didn't stretch, right? No. So. I think it, it was the same problem when it came to like the shooters, the Bonadachi from mm -hmm. from from the DMV area, because we just got stuck on what we did well, mm -hmm. and just stayed there. We did not evolve. So when uh, I remember in high school, you know, I'm a little bit older, so we we'll, we were rocking the shooters, we were rocking the two X's and three X's uh, up until I was like in in eleventh grade, and like in one summer it literally flipped. Like we went from rocking three X's to rocking mediums. 
Like, it happened that fast. So we went from, you know, rocking, the, like like you said, the shooters, the Sean John, John, all, well, we ain't rocked no Sean John, John, I ain't going to lie. But we rocked the polo, the knockers, things like that. But as soon as junior year hit, then, you know, uh, Hollister came around. You know, uh, Aeropostale came around. Um, you know, Abercrombie & Fitch, Armani Exchange. You know, all these brands, we just started kind of changed the way we was moving. And a lot of the brands that we, were, that we, we loved and endured, they did not change with the times. And I think it's our hard-headedness and our arrogance in a way that it's like, well, we've perfected this craft, so we're just going to keep it going. And I think that that's where we get stuck. So it's, yeah. No, no. So it goes back to what Beyonce was talking about. You have to stay open and, and, and be okay to be a beginner and, and, and push something and try something that mm-hmm. gets your attention. Not think about, okay, so what's this person doing? Am yeah. I going to be looking at weird or, you know? Right. And, when, and, um, and again, I'm a victim of that myself. So one of the biggest new fashion trends is stacked jeans, flare jeans, flare pants. And I was just so against it. Wow. Like, what was wrong with it? It was just so new and different. I just could not get jiggy with it, you know. And eventually, I had to let it grow on me, you know, because this is what is was expected. And this is, this is what the new trend is. So for me to, to go against that is me not respecting fashion and not respecting what the people want. So I went on my way and designed my own that just fit XOA style. Yeah. And, it's no, and there's nothing compared to no, nothing nobody else is doing in a sense. So I still kept my originality in the same sense, okay. but also adapted to the trends of today. All right. So you're talking about keeping up with the trends. Sure. It's been this whole, I know you've seen it. It's been this whole big talk on Instagram, social media about style versus being fashionable. Mm. What's your take on it? So I haven't because I don't be on social media because I'm always working, unfortunately. Uh, so like I said, I need to work on my margins because my margins is unstructured right now. But I can imagine uh, fashion is, is uh, I'll say style, style is actually how you coordinate it okay. from, from what I can read. You know, um, Anyone can put on a fashion outfit, which is uh, wearing a Louis Vuitton set. Like, that's fashion. But when it comes to style, style is when you can pick and choose what to put together without looking like a mannequin, in a sense. So, you know, to be able to, you know, put a polo shirt together with some of my jeans and my glasses and putting some dunks together, like, that's style, in my opinion. And that's what the DMV is great on. I think um, we know how to really put some coordination together, you know, within the colors, the contrast, the concepts, and things like that. So that's style. That's how? Okay. In my opinion. All right. Yeah. And a lot of the times with black folks, we get urban streetwear has always been labeled ghetto for a very long time. Sure. Um, how do we get rid of that stereotype? Because even now, you're like, oh, I'm about to go get some streetwear. It's like, oh, you're becoming ghetto. And it's something that is a multi-billion dollar business, every race, every hue. It's trying yeah. to get urban streetwear brand. Sure, sure. So how do we get rid of that I think it's already got rid of. Really? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Because if you look at the high fashion brands, they are all doing streetwear. All of them. Yeah. So the Louis, the Gucci, uh, the YSL, yeah. um, we can name them all. Like, they're all doing cargos. They're all doing, they're doing jerseys. I've seen Louis Vuitton jerseys. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so they're, they're, they're grabbing a lot of our creatives. Shout out to Virgil. You know, like Kanye. All these guys are, are trendsetters and they're bringing the culture into this high-end fashion space. And that's what's really changing everything right now because they had to adapt to us. 
So now they're grabbing the talent that out of our community to be able to address the world. So I, I don't I don't think that the streetwear is no longer has that concept or, or, or that mindset maybe to the ignorant. Um, but in a general fact, streetwear is here to stay, and it's and it's just a, a it's an everyday fashion fit. And and I think that especially with COVID, mm-hmm. COVID affected you know uh, people's wardrobe so drastically mm-hmm. because going out wasn't a thing. So, you know, you had people that, you know, was wearing suits every day, went to go wearing, you know, Nike suits and Nike techs and, you know, sweatsuits and things like that. So I think that that even put it in the overdrive of just people want to be comfortable and stylish at the same time. So you see a lot of, you know, even Fenty, shout out to Fenty as well. You know, Fenty is a huge brand that, you know, is really, you know, changing the game within, you know, from from you know, the, the lingerie onto the streetwear. Like, they're doing it all with the, with, the, with the legging sets and things like that. So I think that... Uh, we're actually becoming more versatile than ever before. And, you know, I look back in the 80s and 90s, and if you look at the club scene, <laughs> people was wearing suits. To work. No, to the club. To the, I mean, club. the club. Right, to the club. To like the club. Love. Like, they're, they're literally wearing suit jackets. Or even when I was coming up, when I was going to love, you had to wear pants, polo, button-up shirts, some nice shoes. Like, you could not go into the club with a hoodie on whatsoever. You would not get in. Or with some tennis shoes on in general. That was a fact. Like, so I think really within like the last 10 years, that's when it's changed. You know, which it's like I got a love and hate thing about it because I do miss how we did. Used to put our casual wear on. And um, now we just dress down so much that we just do it everywhere in a sense. So I do like the balance of both, though. Okay. Yeah. You talked about how the bigger brands are coming and, like, studying us. Sure. But a lot of the times they take our fashion without giving us the proper credit. credit, Mm -hmm. And that includes intellectual property as well as monetary. Right. How do, because hopefully it has not happened to you, but how do a fashion, especially um, being a black fashion designer, Mm -hmm. protect their intellectual property? So it's being a pioneer, right? So... If we're not presenting ourselves in a way that is professional and, it, and we're not making an engagement. So, for instance, you know, we went uh, like two, three years into uh, building this brand. Uh, I, I started acquiring PR. I started acquiring stylists that was actually in the industry. Mm-hmm. And that really, you know, changed the brand and just made it mainstream in a sense because, you know, we, we end up being in Summer Walker's videos, like, several times, you know, and um, and so many other rappers, like Kodak Black and things like that. And that just made the brand more recognizable so that if someone was to bite from it, you know where it came from. And it would always almost be like a slap in the face and the, and the community would defend you because they know where it came from. So it's really putting the money behind it so that our brands are front and center instead of just being in our own communities because, yeah, if 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 we're just big in the DMV, then yes. Yeah. So an international brand can take something we did and bring it to the rest of the world like it's a brand new concept. But that's because we have not came out the box and really presented it to the world ourselves first. So if we don't put the footwork in and pay the dollars, because it costs money. It costs money to pay for a PR. It costs money to pay for a stylist to put you in these videos. It, it goes back to what you said, budgeting. I mean, it goes back to having the money, having right. the investment money to start this. This sure. is not no... Little thing, you you took time, you took years to get this to where. Right. So to even piggyback off that, I see a lot of fashion brands that do make it to a certain point, and they don't reinvest in the brand. They start wearing designer clothes, like they go from making their own clothes to now buying designer clothes. Yes. And then and now and now they thinking that that's success. 
Now, success is when you wear your brand every day, day in and day out, and people know you for that, and you live and die by that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's not being susceptible to what the world is doing. So it's not going out and buying chains and, you know what I'm saying, and buying these flashy cars and things like that when we haven't made it. You still have not made it yet. You think just because you made a couple dollars in your own community that you made it, and it's so much further to go. And once we uh, stoop to that level, we, we, we set the tone for others that come behind us to do the same exact thing. Okay. One against you just did a bunch of name dropping, and you know what? Of course, me being the journalist that I am, I did research and I knew all those wonderful people. But just having the conversation that's flowing, bouncing off each other, I sure. forgot to do name dropping. Let's talk about the people that have been able to rock XOA. Ah, uh, that's a, a lot. It's a, it's a couple, it's a couple, you know. Uh, so Wyclef John was one of the first, that was huge. That was huge. He performed, he performed in our glasses. Um, Maya, hometown hero. What's up? Maya, Maya's amazing. Uh, you know, the DMV rap scene for sure, you know, from the Fat Trails, you know, to shoot um, a big flock. Um, MC Shelley. Wow. Um, man, I, I, it, it's, it's hard to name a lot. Um, yeah, it's hard to name them all. Like, I, I wish I had a list. Seriously, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a few celebrities. I'm trying to think what else. Summer Walker. Yeah, Summer Walker, and then uh, and then you know her ex. Uh, what was her oh, ex name? London. 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 Yeah, London on the track. London one of the track. best producers in the world. Okay. Um, we've even had you know a couple uh, artists on 1017 Gucci's label. You know, rock our stuff. Oh, you know. Willie and Gaio. Oh, yeah, yeah, Wallow. Wallow, Wallow, Wallow. Wallow's a, man, man, Wallow's, man, something else, man. He came to visit our store just off the Humble one day. Yeah. Um, so that was huge, you know. So, um, so yeah, it's, there's, there's definitely been several. Okay. Um, I wish I had a list, but, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I don't really depend on a celebrity to kind of speak for my brand. It just, it just, it, it happened, and it was great when it happened. And, you know, um, they helped just kind of help the brand even flourish even more. So who's that one person that hasn't rocked it yet that you like, I'm gunning for you. It's like, I, I want you on my brand. It's coming, coming. Man. Honestly, uh, I got to say Wale. I got to say Wale just off the fact that Look, Wale, say that right Wale put on the whole DMV trend to the world, in my opinion. You know, with the Nike boots, for one. He's been rocking Nike Dunks since 2006. You feel me? And we still do, we, and we just starting to do that again today. You know, um, and so he came into the fashion with to the record industry with the streetwear shoes. You know, um, came in with you know the cargos, you know the branding and all that, man. And um, Wale is definitely one of the best dressed rappers by far. It's, there's no comparison, and so many rappers have bit off his style. For sure, for sure. You know, and I think that Wale would love the brand if he was actually just got to touch it and feel it. And I just haven't got to really meet him face to face. But he's he's definitely, and he's just he's the, he's the best rapper ever from the DMV. Period. You know, so there's no comparison to him to nobody else. And uh, what he's done in the record industry and how he's put DMV on and how he's put GoGo on is just it's just amazing. You know, what I'm saying he's put GoGo songs on his albums that went platinum and gold and things like that. So. I mean, you you can't take nothing away, away away from Wale and what he's done for the area. No, that that's a completely one hundred percent fact. I would just further the conversation is how does hip hop respect DC? Because sometimes, like you mentioned, a lot of rappers bit off our fashion. Sure. And as you know, with 
XOA being a lifestyle brand, uh-huh. being associated very much with hip hop, understanding the hip hop scene in DC, um, and the perspective of hip hop DC to DC as whole. Sure, we have a, a interesting relationship. We could say that at least. Yeah. How do you think does hip hop treats DC? I think hip hop respects DC. Okay. I think we have several artists that. Uh, are on point doing international tours like a Gold Link, like an IDK, uh, like a Rico Nasty. Uh, these are prominent artists that are making a lot of noise, you know, in their own right, you know, and they have all have their own sound as well, like a Shy Glizzy as well, you know. Um, so we're bringing a whole nother style, and, and, and none of it really sounds the same. Um, I know we got the offbeat rap, you know what I'm saying, as well. <laughs> Um, but that hasn't quite taken off yet. Um, Zan Man is probably one of the the, uh, the most popular uh, offbeat um, type rappers, I would say. You know, um, but he's making a lot of noise worldwide. Um, he's signed to a Texas label right now, Sauce Walker. So you know, he's also making noise. You know, so I think that um, we are overly critical on ourselves when it comes to that. You know, because when I do go to other areas, they they know who all these artists are, and they love all these artists that that are from this area too. So it's like I think we just. We be self-sabotaging our own self a lot of times with the music scene because we don't show enough respect to the ones that did make it, and then we just kind of, you know, kind of dump on the ones that haven't, you know, in a, in a sense, you know. So um, I do think that we do need to make more positive music for the youngest that's coming up because, you know, the um, the free car music, you know, the trap, the trap and murder music, man, it, it, it's just not serving our community well, and I think it's a reason why they have not been successful yet because it's just not a uh, it's just not a fruitful concept to profit off of. Okay. So. Oh, I understand. No, yeah. no. No, that's a, actually a very fresh perspective. I hadn't heard that before. Because most of the time people, well, you've seen it on the internet, guys, what people say about DC hip hop. Yeah, but. overly critical. Like I said, we're not celebrating our wins. Right. And we're still fresh in the music industry. These other cities have been making hits for 30 years. Atlanta been on. Like, right. Outkast been out since 94. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just got on with Wale in 04, 05. So it's like, how much progress can we make in 15, 20 years at the same time? You know what I'm saying? We think about New York, Florida, LA. Like, they've been doing this for 30, 40 years. So we're just getting on the scene just because we were so encompassed in the go-go scene, which is amazing. Um, but but we just took, rap took a backseat because go-go was just such a powerful essence to our culture. So, which I think is a great thing because when we need to bring that back, because every time a rapper did come to the city, you had to get on with a go-go band. You couldn't just have a rap, a rap concert. You had to get on with Backyard. You had to get on with Junkyard. Like, and you, you actually performing with the band as well. So, and the, and the rap scene knew that. So I think that the respect was there, and I think it still is there. That, but I think we need to kind of bring it back full circle. And actually, you, that's how a lot of our rappers had such stage amazing performances because of the go-go scene. And a little birdie told me that you used to be a go-go head. Big huh. and a go-go. Huh. Huh. <laughs> I'm in love with go-go. That's my favorite genre by far. Okay. Uh, I used to get in trouble listening to go-go because my father's a Christian man and he don't like all that cussing and all that. So um, so I took a lot of sacrifices to go to go-go's. <laughs> got in trouble from staying at go-go's too late you know, line where I'm at and things like that, but just all for the sake of the music because, you know, it, it is very impactful and it's very infectious. So, um, yeah, I, I love the culture around it. And, you know, it is a lot of positivity, positivity in it as well. So shout out to Ronald uh, Moten out in uh, Southeast, man, because he put together his D.C. Go-Go Museum. Um, and it's a huge aspect because we needed a, a, a place to really come to 
that really shows the whole culture frontwards and backwards. No, so we got to take it back. We got to go back to Go-Go. And I think adding on to why I think we're hard on ourselves because we think that Go-Go, Go-Go is our hip-hop. We know a lot right. of people, we don't, to maybe outsiders, they think Go-Go and hip-hop is just different. But mm-hmm. to us, we think Go-Go and hip-hop is the same. You know, yeah. one and two, two and one. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about um, Emma Marie, DMV native. One thing that was on the charts that was going crazy. That's a go-go yeah. beat. Yes, it is. Um, and with that, a lot of people created off that beat and used that mm-hmm. in R&B. Um, yes. You know, it's, 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 it's always been footprinted. Yes. And we and that's what I'm saying. That infusion is ridiculous. So that's like all the Wale songs that, that he did that was go-go infused was hits. Yeah. Hits. Yes. So I, I, um, he always said he was going to make a go-go album. I, I pray that he do. Because I think that that will really show the versatility of Go-Go. Because yeah. um, people don't understand the live aspect. But if you infuse it with the production, mm-hmm. I think it could be, you know, huge for the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. I, I, it's been a wonderful conversation. Oh. It's We're at your physical location. Yeah, we is. Yes, we is. Before we go into the present, because we talked about the past of XOA. Sure. We talked about the present. No, well, not the present. Sorry, we got to go to the future. We talked about the present. Sure. We talked about the past, but we got to go to the future. Right, right, right. Let's talk about that. You actually have a brick and mortar. Like, not that many people have that. Like, yeah. you have a physical location. Sure, sure, sure. How do you feel as just being a black business owner, one, having this, and just being right. an owner altogether, an actual physical location for mm-hmm. right now? The feeling is, I mean, I'm truly blessed to even have this type of opportunity, obviously. Um, God has blessed me to put me in different situations and, and just um, being around certain people to even gain the knowledge. Um, shout out to my uh, my mentor that passed away, Tommy Guns. Um, he he really taught me the game. He owned a store called Core, a chain of stores called Core. Yep. And uh, they were all over the DMV. Yes, they were. Uh, you know, we had one in Pentagon City, uh, National Harbor. Uh, he had it in Montgomery Mall and Annapolis Mall as well. So, you know, as he was, you know, building up his brand, I'm 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 seeing everything and I'm actually in the store. So that was one of the stores I was consigned in. And I was blessed enough for, you know, him to give me a chance. And when I when he gave me a chance, I mean, I just went crazy. You know what I'm saying? I just started designing on some really innovative stuff because his store was uh was a like a um I would say it had nothing to do with like the DMV per se because he brought brands way outside of the DM, like DMV, like you know, Cali brands, Asian brands, European brands. Like he was just bringing the fashion to one space that no one else had, and you know, me and putting my clothes in the store, no one even knew that I was from here. So that was the great part, you know, because people were just buying the clothes because they liked it, not because they was black, not because I was from the area, but because the, the, the design and the style was so unique that, you know, they appreciated it. So that's what really taught me, you know, how to be innovative and how to just keep creating in a sense. So because season to season, you got to be on time. You can't create jackets in the wintertime and expect them to sell. You know what I mean? Like you got to create jackets, you know, in the summer so that by the time that the, that, that the fall hits, you're already in stores, ready for people to purchase and be prepared for the season. So it just taught me the fashion calendar, how to be on time and actually be ahead of time in a sense, you know, so... Always designing, always evolving. And, you know, unfortunately, when he passed away, that was the bulk of the funds that I was getting because his stores was the, the biggest stores. It was like up against the wall. I don't know if you guys yeah. remember that. But it was like an up against the wall feel. So, you know, 
you know, he even had like John Wall come to one of his grand openings. Like that's the type of influence that he had out here because he had the whole city coming out for his stores, you know what I'm saying? So um, so just learning from him inside and out taught me how to run a store. Without without that relationship, I would have never gotten the stores, period. Mentorship. We don't talk about mentorship. Mentorship right. is everything. You just talked it there. We need sure. mentors. Right. And we need to stop gatekeeping because that's how you would not have been able to grow without that. Absolutely. But I think it was also, I, I, I don't think it's a lot of gatekeeping. I think it's, it's a lot of people just being too proudful to ask. Mm. So I ain't too proud to ask nobody nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm humble enough to learn from any and everyone, especially if you done did it before, you done, you know, made it further than me in different areas. So, you know, I always want to bite off which, whatever you got going on and not to steal it from you, but to, as, as appreciation, you know, for what you've been doing and how I want to turn it around and make it to my own as well. So, you know, um, that was an amazing opportunity just to be in that space and just him just allowing me to be around for the build, you know. So, I mean, he wasn't officially my mentor, but I took it as a mentorship because he exposed me to knowledge that I didn't have. No. I, all right, let's go present. It's time to go yeah, present. Yeah, Because we gone past. We, I think we, yeah. we did everything. Yeah, a little bit. We did a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is the future of XOA? Oh, so um, the future is um, there's so many variables going on with the world right now, uh, especially with the economy. Uh, the economy is in shambles right now. Unfortunately, you know, um, since COVID, like I said, I mean, COVID has changed the world forever in a sense. So, you know, malls were already dying, but it just put that thing in overdrive, you know, so... The convenience of shopping online has just it just kind of just encompassed people to that convenience in a sense. So, you know, um, and also this teleworking aspect as well. So, you know, a lot of people don't have to leave the house anymore. You know, people don't have to put on an outfit every day anymore. So it has changed, you know, the ways that we live our lives in a sense. So my big plan is to do go fully remote. E-commerce. Yeah, fully, fully, you know, because I I, I, want to be able to save the money from the operations aspect because it costs a lot to build all this, obviously, you know, but but if I was able to invest all this into online, you know, within, you know, going to award shows, you know, having, you know, elaborate photo shoots in Miami and in L.A., um, you know, um, and just pouring into the, to the brand more and more, you know, creating a, a larger women's collection, youth collection. Um, so just just in, in, more so investing internally. I think it is exactly what we need. So pretty much I'm building out a showroom right now. Okay. So it's going to be by appointment only, but pretty much it's just going to be a personal shopping experience. So you just get to come in and really try on all the clothes you want to, get the feel of it, get get see how you style in it. And um, yeah, just have that personal touch, you know. So um, that's the the new look. But online is really about to be the big domain. And also I'm planning an HBCU tour right now. Okay. So I'm going to graduate from Morgan State University. And, you know, always liked uh, the HBCU aspect because it's that it's what we need. And, you know, and it all started because we couldn't go to no other colleges. So we got to right. keep that alive because um, they're all our backbone in our society. So I want to be able to go to, you know, all the homecomings, you know, on the Eastern Seaboard in a sense because why not bring it to the people, you know? Yeah. Um, so, Joe, having that aspect and just having it uh, a more versatile and just, you know, um, yeah, man. Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl introduced to Melissa and thank you for tuning in. You have made it this far and we gotta bless you for making it this far. You got something to tell the folks. You know I do. You said we collaborating today. We gotta get the people what they want. Okay. 20% off website-wide on everything. 
So, you know, we got a lot of new designs, a lot of new deals on the website, and you get a 20% extra on top of those deals. So tune in right now. Thanks for tuning into the episode. We got a lot more to give you, so. Yes, tune in this code. You know you want it. Bye. See, mm. I'm not trying to have you all day here because we just literally, you, you, yeah. talk, you went to HBCU World. I knew that you went to Morgan University. Sure. So, and stuff, you know I went to UMES and Howard. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. Come on now. I'll Say it. Catch it. But yeah. you're trying to have me here all day. But that's yeah. another time for another day. I get you. Now we have entered into the Wild Award. Wow. So viewers at home who don't know what the Wild Award is. The Wild Award is for someone who paid the way. You can hate them, you can love them, you don't have to know them, but without them being somewhat in your life, um, good or bad, you would have not got to where you are at. So take a minute, close your eyes, take a minute. Wild Award, I honestly, I, I can't, I can't, I can't not say God. Okay. I can't not say God, honestly. Um, without him, nothing is possible. Amen. And, you know, no matter how selfish and just, you know, um, self-infused I've been, he's always been by my side, you know, and, and always been introducing me to great people, great opportunities. And, you know, I couldn't have done this by myself whatsoever, and I never wanted to do it by myself. So I got to thank God um, and, you know, and everyone that has believed in the vision, you know, because everyone that has played a part, you know, I've had previous partners, I've had previous employees, they all played a part in this, you know. Um, everything doesn't work out long term, mm-hmm. but for the short term, you know, I did try to look out for people as best as I could. And, you know, for the most part, I do think that people left with more than that they came in with. Okay. So I think that's the biggest aspect of it. Like, no one took a, a, a loss in a sense, you know, whether the, the experience that they gained with, you know, traveling with me from city to city, you know, or whether it was just being able to work in the black business and get, and get paid a, a great wage. Because I always paid, you know... Um, at at the uh the, the status quo, what what a what a footlocker would pay his managers, I would pay that or a little bit above as well. So, you know, I never so shortchanged our people. You know, whatever I, the cameraman wanted for for a photo shoot, I paid him that. I never tried to shortchange anyone, you know what I'm saying? So shout out to them that really believed in the vision because it was always bigger than me. That's truly amazing. All right, before we close out, I gotta say our, you know, our saying, guys. We only gotta do it right because it is visual. Inside all of us is hope. Inside all of us is fear. Inside all of us is adventure. Inside all of us is a wild thing. My name is Melissa. It's the first episode. Let's do it. It's a wrap. Yay. Bye. Peace.